Welcome to Growth Island, your go-to podcast on how to be the best version of yourself. Now, let's join your host, Mess Freeze, as he interviews high performers and experts in nutrition, meditation, exercise, relationships, business, general health, and life's bigger mysteries. Thank you so much for tuning in. So we often think about like, what is really the meaning of life and what is it that really makes us happy? For that, I found a super cool expert and I have to breathe before I start pronouncing all of the cool stuff that he's done. He's a humanist psychologist and really looking into the depth of human potential. He's taught courses on intelligence, creativity and well-being at Columbia University, University of Pennsylvania and other places. He has a PhD in cognitive psychology from Yale University and a master in experimental psychology from the University of Cambridge. He has been named one of the 50 groundbreaking scientists who are changing the way we see the world by Business Insider. And he's been listed as one of the top psychologists under 40 years old. He also written several books. He has a big podcast about, the, about psychology as well. And then we're going to talk more about one of the books, which is called Transcend, the New Science of Self-Actualization. So today I got Dr. Scott Barry Calfront in with me today. Scott, thank you so much for finding the time. Thanks. It's great to chat with you today. So Scott, how did you get into all of this psychology and human potential and discovering Maslow? Well, I was teaching a course on positive psychology at the University of Pennsylvania, and I discovered the writings of Maslow and the humanistic psychologists and really got quite excited by the language that they were using um, and the topics they were studying like growth and self-actualization and freedom and responsibility and social action and a lot of goodies, creativity, <laughs> and just a lot, of, a lot of topics that I really enjoyed and really uh, made me feel uh, as though we weren't we needed to study these things in, in modern day psychology. And I had been studying some of those things like creativity was, I was a creativity researcher, but it was nice to see a whole framework for it. So yeah, I discovered it and there it led me down a rabbit hole. Uh, and I read a lot of the personal diaries of Maslow's and, and really enjoyed that. And, and word more about some of these humanistic psychologists than anyone would care to know about them. <laughs> yeah. So what is it about Maslow's hierarchy that uh, a lot of us misunderstood? I saw a video with you and also your TED Talk as well. And I found it super fascinating that one of the most known models that uh, a lot of us have been using it wrong, at least from uh, from coming from the business side. Yeah, because a lot of people in the business world depict Maslow's hierarchy of needs as a pyramid. Uh, and Maslow never actually drew a pyramid. He... Talked, they were talked about increasing levels of needs, but really he talked about how some needs are certainly more uh, prepotent, he'd said, he would say, or, or more str- or stronger than other needs when they're deprived. So that's certainly the case. So when you're deprived of a lot of food and you're chronically hungry, that puts you into a certain state of mind and that makes it very hard for you to self-actualize, becoming all that you're uniquely capable of becoming when you are hungry or chronically lonely, as a lot of us are finding ourselves in that state these days, or chronically um, the lack of of mastery, you know, as many of us right now are finding it hard to 
to uh, to master things and to get self-esteem when we're holed up in our apartments. So it, it really does pitch us into a certain state. And but the thing is, we have to be very clear that that it's not a pyramid. So life is not some sort of trek up a mountain or or climbing a pyramid of needs where you don't ever return to the other needs. Maslow was was in his theory of uh, prepotency of hierarchy of needs. He just he made it very clear that and he emphasized how we could easily return to the deprivation of any of those needs at any point in our time. We don't reach a level. We don't reach self-actualization like it's a level of a video game and we're done, you know, and well, that would be boring anyway to yeah. just you know, reach it and it'd be done. We're constantly moving two steps forward and one step back in our lives and we can target multiple needs simultaneously. So I, I, I just, I'm trying to correct the record, but not only that, I've done, I've done a lot of research along these lines and have shown the importance of of openness to experience and uh, for for creativity as well as um, the importance of quieting our ego and having a more um, I call it the light triad because it consists of three <laughs> three things that are <laughs> that are correlated with each other um, that 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 make that light us that 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 give us a personality characteristics that that light up the world in a positive yeah. way. That makes sense. So you took his model, you read a lot of his stuff. I know you read some of his diaries and so on, and was in contact with his family, and you built on his model for a new model. Can you tell a bit about that? Yeah, I, I sure did. I have a new metaphor, um, which you may be able to see behind me, and that's a sailboat. You know, when we're part, a lot, a lot of life is just moving in. Uh, opening up our sail and feeling safe and secure that our boat is secure. And once we open our sail, we travel in the vast unknown of the sea, but we never know what life is going to bring us. We never know when the waves going to come crashing down, but we, we still embrace life with the full essence of our being with the, our full, the full vehicle of our sailboat or who we are as a whole person, right? You don't identify the sailboat with just one part of the sailboat. It's the whole thing needs to work together in order to be at its full capacity. And it's the same thing with humans. We need to have all of our conflicting parts work together to be at our height of power, which is why it's so important to have our basic needs met. So what does that mean like? from someone like me or someone that's listening. So what does that mean in regards to how we perceive the world or how we look at becoming happy or reaching our self-actualization, if that's what we're thinking or becoming the best version of ourselves? Well, in a lot of ways, it, it means we need to get outside our comfort zone and and choose growth over and over again. We need to recognize and, and understand our fears and our insecurities and try our best to integrate those insecurities and and not ignore them or deny or repress aspects of ourselves that we don't like but bring them out into the openness of our consciousness living a very aware conscious life and being open to new experiences um, finding things that give you meaning in life 
and pursuing those with wholeheartedly, whole bodied, whole personally. <laughs> and yeah, it involves a lot. I have a whole series of practical growth challenges in my book, in the appendix, mm-hmm. and things that I hope can help people. What could be an example of one of those practices? Well, I, I can read one. <laughs> hmm? I can read one. It's always interesting to find those like very concrete things to do. Well, scientists are interested in knowledge for the sake of knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> they're not always so... Not, like not every like study you do, you know, you're like, oh, I have to make sure that there's practical utility to this and that every, and it can be easily translatable. You know, uh, we, we, we care about exploring the depths of human knowledge but this is a it is a very this is a very practical book though and i did try my best to translate the knowledge into things people can do in their daily lives well how about uh, one is explore your dark side Hmm? and um uh, or how about uh, no but this is probably better for people right now face your fears yeah think about some of your own fears determine which fears you would most like to work on Uh, in a written reflection, it's really helpful to have a journal and to use a journal to to log your thing, your stuff. Um, explore the following: What am I afraid of? Why is this scary? So scary to me. What is the worst possible outcome of this happening to me? What what could be a potentially favorable outcome of this fear unfolding? In what ways might I grow as a person? What might I learn? What parts of myself can I rely on? Specific qualities, strengths that help me overcome my greatest fears. Um, throughout your daily life, try to notice when your fears are getting in your way. Commit yourself to facing this fear and being even-handed with what positive thoughts might ensue as you feel yourself panicking or avoiding these aversive stimuli. Mm. So that's that's one example. But it's also important to try to cultivate. Sorry, what were you say? No, that sounds very interesting. It also sounds similar. So I think Tim Ferriss talks a lot about like facing your fears and thinking about your fears and like how bad can it actually be? It's not the exact same exercise, but I think it's one of the ones he recommends. Uh, as, Tim Ferriss? Favorite. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, I could definitely see him recommending something like that. <laughs> <laughs> he tries to face a lot of his fears with the experimenting with things. Yeah. yeah. Have, has he been on your show yet? No, that uh, he's hopefully next year. So. Right. And I heard you talking a lot about being and not doing. And that's something I found very interesting. I think I've been very much in my life earlier doing a lot and sometimes forgetting to stop and really be. So what are some of, what are some of your thoughts on that? I think a lot about that because I think about how we live in such a doing culture and how so many of us right now are in this state of confusion because we're so used to doing, doing, doing. And now we're in our apartments and just being all day and we don't know what to do with ourselves and and we don't know what to what it means to be with ourselves and to be with our thoughts i mean a lot of people we get busy so that we can distract ourselves from from our existential being but you know being doesn't mean that you are not being productive or that you're not contributing to the world or you're not you know being is not just like eating m&ms you know watching netflix all day necessarily being is really is, you know being in touch with the most alive unique center of yourself with the parts of yourself that really light you up and make you feel the best about yourself as 
And as well as being with uncomfortable emotions and, and, and being able to sit with that, um, it's being able to enjoy beauty around you, to be deeply present and mindful to what's currently in your senses. And for that, I found that like I did the other day, I kind of, I was sitting outside and eating and kind of tried not to like listen to music or anything else, but actually just be, be there, sit and eat and kind of observe and be in the environment. And that for me kind of gave another form of gratitude. I also tried to write the gratitude journal to kind of be present and what really happens or sometimes try and remind myself when I meet people that, okay, put away all the work and all of the ideas and dreams about all the stuff I want to build that I get so excited about. But like, <laughs> try for once just to be fully present with the lovely person that I'm in the company of. That's what I'm trying to do with you right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what would you say to, so I meet a lot of um, consultants, entrepreneurs or bankers at least that are working a lot of hours. Yeah. And some of them have, I found especially a lot of bankers have kind of lost touch on like their passion and so on. They've gotten used to like this race of um, making a lot of money and working really hard with colleagues and so on that they kind of forgot some of what made them super joyful or they don't really prioritize it. What would you say to a person like that? What would you recommend someone to get, like get back to what they enjoy doing? Funny, you know, the answer isn't the question you know, get, get back to doing what you enjoy doing is <laughs> you need to know what you enjoy doing. You need to know what you're doing for intrinsic reasons for intrinsic enjoyment and not extrinsic reasons. There's a whole motivational continuum I have in the purpose chapter of my book. First of all, you have to choose your goals wisely and that's only half the battle. You eventually have to pursue your goals wisely, but But choosing your goals wisely is important. Maslow has a quote, what's worth doing is not worth doing well. And a lot of us may start to get down the rabbit hole of doing something well and get caught up in the self-esteem that it brings us. That when we're no longer getting self-esteem from it, we realize we don't even love the thing that we're doing. So, you know, pick, make sure that you pick a job or even if you're... A banker, I mean, there, there's there are aspects of banking that maybe would light someone up more than other aspects. The whole the whole uh, field isn't shit. <laughs> no, <laughs> but, no, for sure. Uh, yeah, I know. Yeah. So, but 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 being able to, to to navigate that space and being able to assert your needs to your boss about what is going to be ultimately good for what is good best for you is going to be good for, best for the company as well. Mm. And you have to make that very clear to your boss and and what you don't enjoy doing and really think to yourself, what would I be enjoying doing if I wasn't getting the accolades for it or the uh, external validation, you know, when I'm just alone working on it, do, do I feel like it's getting me into the flow state? Is it getting me, am I having what's Maslow called peak experiences You know, and I was that'd be my initial suggestions. I'm going to take a pause there and yeah. Yeah. see if there's any, anything. That, yeah, you told me resonated. to take some pauses yeah. <laughs> <laughs> before the call. Yeah, my pleasure. So, so that definitely resonated with me as well. 
So oh, I want to talk to people. I, I try and ask like, what brings, when is it that everything disappears around you? Like in a good manner, like where you just get so like taking into it and you get, you potentially like what people call flow. You don't really feel that many emotions, but it's just, it's kind of fantastic or that you get really joyful or that you feel you're the best version of yourself. Yeah. And I think trying to write that down helps a lot. And I've talked to several people that try and write it down. And some people have challenges with that as well. That's when they, um, they sometimes have really long pauses. Um, yeah. It's okay to have a long pause to think about it. But it's also, if, if you don't know the answer to it, I think it's, it's worth exploiting or exploring a bit more. I think so. I, I think that uh, it's funny because you're asking someone who's, who's a strong believer that our whole life should be about you know, exploration or, or, or at least a good chunk of our life. Uh, maybe we can eventually get to a, the plateau experience in life where we don't feel the need to explore so much anymore and we can just appreciate the miraculousness of the everyday. But a big part of my book is involves that need for exploration, you know? And, and that doesn't just involve behavioral exploration, like phys- physical moving around in the world. It can also involve what I refer to as cognitive exploration, which is being able to explore your thoughts, uh, process your emotions, um, doing all these things in a, uh, uh, through a journal can be really helpful. Mm-hmm. Are you writing a journal currently? Um, I, I've been slacking on that and I yeah. just yesterday, I mean, it's, it's not saying that I'll do it, but I just yesterday I downloaded this new app that, uh, was recommended to me, um, where you can, I've been I'm trying to find a way of doing it online. Um, let's see if I can find it. And it's, uh, it seems to be really good. Um, day one, it's called day one journal. And yeah. anyway, so I, I want to start, uh, I wouldn't get back into that. I used to, uh, what I do is I go through periods where I like force myself to do, I'm like the next two, like I'll just get, and, and, uh, sorry, just woke up. Uh, I, uh, it's yawn, sorry. Um, an MBSR course. So a mindfulness stress based reduction mindfulness course. And for, and I'll be like, okay, well I'm going to commit myself for the next eight weeks to journal and to, quit things in my life that, that aren't serving me, et cetera. So I go through bursts, if that makes yeah. sense. But, uh, you know, maybe it's time to, to do the burst again. Sounds good. I found at least that my gratitude journal that I write in the evening before I go to bed really helps me that I look at it at the end of the year and kind of become more aware of what is it really that makes me happy. I love that. Now, do you do, do you have a physical journal? So I actually do it as simple as in notes. So I have an old iPhone that I have next to me, uh, next to my bed that no one can call or anything else. It's basically just so I can like write on and then I can put it on Wi-Fi later. So it syncs with my, my normal phone, which is normally in the, the kitchen or my living room when I go to bed. And I, I have back from 2013 and it's so <laughs> interesting to see like and learn like what is it really that makes me happy. And what, I get surprised also about some people that just, their name, I don't talk to them enough, but whenever I talk to them, I can see actually how many times I talk to them during a year because every time I talk to them, their name is in that journal. I love that. Do you, do you, do you tell them? I've, I actually have sent them messages and sometimes I also send pic- uh, people a picture of my gratitude journal when their name is in it. And I found that's, 
yeah, that's great. I actually also figured out which um, most people think are extremely boring, but um, I won't tell my coworkers. I hope they don't listen. But I actually find that um, doing accounting can be quite uh, quite fun for me if I have like three hours of being fully focused on doing accounting. I kind of I like the the progress. I wouldn't want to do it every single day, but yeah. I was surprised when I looked into my gratitude journal that when I had these times of three hours of fully focused time despite that being like looking at the receipts and so on and categorize them, there was actually something that made me kind of happy. That's cool. Now you said counseling. No, uh, accounting. I don't normally do that. That that makes a lot of sense now. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Um, Well, that's, that's, that's good news for, uh, for people who are dreading accounting. (laughs) Yeah. Well, they say, uh, yeah, they say death and taxes are, the things, the two things that are most certain, but but even with, with this coronavirus, people, the tax season is is uh, is delaying itself. So yeah. even under the you know some of the things we thought for sure, are for sure, or not even for sure, and uh, hey, maybe we'll find out death is not for certain anymore as well at mm-hmm. some point. <laughs> yeah. Who knows? So so Scott, how we, how do we choose goals according to your book? Like, what are some pointers that people can take? Yeah. Because Getting the right goals is so essential, right? If you run for the wrong target, and as yeah. I learned as well, it's not about reaching the target. It's much more about the journey getting there. Sure. Well, it's really important to assess your motivational quality. And there's a continuum that DC and Ryan, the motivational continuum they came up with, which can be really valuable in that regard. And, you know, you could set the goals. And when you start trying to, pursue the goals. I'm not saying to give up too soon. I'm not saying, and I'm also not saying everything should be always be fun. It's not like you're, you're, you're going to have days where you're working on what you do and you're not enjoying it. That's not like mm. the test, but over a significant period of time, you know, really think to yourself, you know, how much am I just going through the motions uh, or how much am, is am I being motivated by contingencies and constraints? Maybe it's internal guilt, like I feel like I should be doing this, or external pressures, uh, reward structures. Uh, am I being driven by status? You know, understanding your motivational, you know, continuum what and what's really driving you is really important and. And also, like, how how much is it connected to your values? That makes sense. So once you kind of set your goals, you actually took the time to be and then think about where you want to go and what's connected to your values. And yeah. And then you try to actually reach the goals. That's another part of your book. Yes. Uh, Pursuing as wisely as you can. also, in the, during the just to back up a second, during the stage where you're generating your goals, it's helpful to create a goal hierarchy and to make sure that your other goals in your life, you know, because you have your highest level goal, but make sure that your other goals in your life are working together as a whole unit to contribute to that higher level goal. If you're doing things in your life in your life that consistently interfere with it you might want to cut it out. You might really want to think about your, your whole guy, hierarchy of from, from the most 
concrete goals at the bottom to your most abstract at the top, uh, which are your tend to be your your future self goals. Mm-hmm. Who do I want to be? Okay, so I just wanted to, to 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 say that. But now going to how to pursue wisely. There's a whole bunch of characteristics that are going to be very important. You need to, like I said, it's not always going to be fun. You need to live your purpose. You can have a purpose. That's great. I mean, anyone can have a purpose. I can say, my purpose is to uplift people. And then you eat M&Ms and watch Netflix. And you're not done once you say what your purpose is. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You need to live your purpose day after day after day. Get up in the morning, live it again. And part of that requires hope, um, requires having an energy for what you're doing, a will, but also understanding all the different ways that you're going to get there, even when you fail or things break down. Um, it requires having, um, sorry, there's a fly here. It requires, <laughs> it requires grit, determination. It also, uh, you know, just important as grit, though, it's also important to know when to, I won't say quit, but change your goal. You may, you may have to change your top level goal if it's no longer serving your growth, but sometimes you might have to change the pathway by which you're trying to get to your goal without changing your goal, without changing the goal. You might have to change how, how you're trying to get there. I'll give you a concrete example. When I was in high school i wanted to be a psychology major cognitive science major i got rejected from carnegie mellon for cognitive science because of my set scores i don't think were high enough and so i got in instead i still wanted that to be my goal but i had to change my pathway so i sang opera and and i auditioned for their opera department and they gave me a partial scholarship to opera. And once I got in and I spent a year in the opera program, I then switched. <laughs> switched to, uh, yeah. yeah. That's a nice creative way to get in. That's right. Switched to, I switched to psychology and uh, I've never looked back since then. I, nope. I live, breathe, and sleep psychology. Can you tell? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I, and I also saw some of the amazing names that uh, wrote about your book as well. So Tal Ben Saha, if I pronounce his name right, is one of my big idols together with uh, Sean Anker. Um, oh, that's great. That's so great. Well, we, sounds like we swim in similar circles, me and you. It does. I at least have the same interest. As I said, I, I got a bit inspired when I saw uh, your two talks in the whole like going deeper into to science and doing a PhD. Um, but I'm doing something I love right now, which is building companies, but that definitely, it did spring more of my curiosity to get the ability to go deep in the science, which I've, I find so interesting. As you said, like scientists don't always look for concrete advice. They look for like yeah. learning new things and, yeah. and, and moving the science ahead. Thank you. I really enjoyed that. And yeah, yeah. Um, I, I think what you're saying is, is so spot on. Yeah, uh, let me know if I can help you at all with your PhD. Just well, if I end up going that direction, I would. Well, let me know. You know, maybe yeah. if you uh, if you want some suggestions of some people to work with or something, and you want a a recommendation of some sort, yeah, let me know. 
Appreciate it. You you have a really great uh you have a really great demeanor. Thanks. And Appreciate spirit. That. Yeah, and very good spirit. Yeah. What's uh if you had to give some like what's something that surprised you when studying psychology? I think that's super interesting. When I started studying psychology or this book, when I was researching this book. Let's say this book instead. It surprised me just how much our negative emotions can 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 really be beneficial you know they can be really there's this tendency for us to want to sweep them under the rug and, and get rid of them and to feel good all the time and i really like the reading about the humanistic perspective and just understanding that that to be a full to be fully human requires acceptance of our whole self and acceptance of conditions that we may want to change but but at least we accept them that they exist we accept that fact and we're very mindful and aware of of our entire being and there's some there's a field called positive psychology as you know which you said you like Sean Aker and he talks about happiness a lot and Sometimes that kind of stuff can get exhausting, you know, to constantly hear about being happy and being positive and have positive emotions. That that wasn't really the humanistic perspective, you know. Uh, the humanistic perspective took a more realistic view of of what it means to be human. It's not you're not it's not human to be happy all the time. That's no. not human, you know. And I mean, I guarantee you, Sean Aker's not happy all the time, you know, like. <laughs> He's human too, so I think it's important when you write in this space, as as I try to to be vulnerable and to show people that you're human too. I, you know, I may I don't know if it's if it's good or bad for my brand, but on Twitter sometimes I'll even say things. I'll even admit that I'm feeling lonely. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, it, it might be a weird for a distinguished professor to <laughs> to do that, but but you know, I I have found that. It just helps me connect more with people, and you know my students appreciate it. I can tell my students really appreciate it. Yeah, I think that that's so sense. important for sure. And I think instead of just seeing the perfect Instagram pictures, like seeing that everyone has challenges, I think makes it easier for all of us to relate. See, I also think that both Tal and uh, and Sean are good at also saying that positive psychology is not about being happy all the time. I remember one of the videos with Tal where he talks about like, I'm not happy all the time. <laughs> and it's not that you should deny negative emotions. Like you should accept them. If you just try to deny them, it's going to get worse, but accept them, but don't dwell in them. Don't stay there for days. Accept the pain and why it is there. Yeah, I think that's right. And and I've I had a delightful lunch with Tal uh, mm-hmm. where we talked about my book and we nerded over our mutual interests in... Um, in positive psychology, no, sorry, in uh, Maslow, in humanistic yeah. psychology, we had a great lunch in New York, and he he asked me like, "What, Scott? What's your beef with, with word happiness? Like, why you hate on it?" Uh, and he 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 really wanted to know my perspective because he loves the word, and and he was making it very he was making it very clear to me that that he doesn't by that how he defines that word is something much broader than than just the feel good smiling all the time and and i think i think you're, you're you're right i mean you're absolutely right he was trying to make that clear to me as well and i and i really do appreciate what he's doing um 
it's almost like we're doing the same thing, but I just don't use, it's a semantic issue. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, that's such a minor issue. You know, the, what what is the word you use? You know, I use I I I, I use self I, I like self actualization and transcendence. Yeah, those are hippie hippie words. And, uh, I don't know if I, I want them to catch on in this generation. Yeah. I'm trying, but they may not. <laughs> we'll see. There's definitely more people after this podcast that's gonna look more into it. So Scott, where can people find out more about you? So there is your, your new book. I'm definitely going to hear it after this talk. I, I already uh, got it from uh, Audible. So that's one place to find it. So I can hear it on the go. Um, so I will say you're breaking up a little bit. So I, oh. I think you said, where, where can I? I'm going to try to guess what you said. So I, you can find out more about me. Go to scottberrykaufman.com. Um, go to uh, the Psychology Podcast. Check out the Psychology Podcast. I'm on Instagram at, at, at Scott Barry Kaufman. Um, what else? You take free, take it on my webpage, scottbarrykaufman.com. You could take free self-actualization tests. I think you'll have, you'll have fun with that. <laughs> and, uh, people have fun with that. And you can also take my light versus dark triad test and you find out what you can find out what the characteristics, the three characteristics of the light triad are and then what three characteristics of the dark triad. You can take this test. And um, yeah, in the book Transcend, uh, you know, you should be able to buy it in, on Amazon. I hope, uh, I don't know, depending on what country you're in, but I think most countries you can still order the, uh, the U.S. edition on Amazon. Mm. Nice. Yeah. And I, I think you, your TED Talk is really nice as well. For people, thank that you so did. much. I, I really, I really loved it. And so, for the ones, the listeners right now, and Scott has a wonderful TED talk about human potential, and how. Well, I guess you can say a few words on it instead of me paraphrasing it. Just a short version of it. So, you're talking about the talk on twice exceptional children. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's about how we need to not look at one slice of a person. You know, we can look at someone's negative characteristics uh, or their what we call a negative someone's learning disabilities learning difficulties in school someone who struggles and just make that the whole essence of their being but once we take in the whole person we start to realize that the strengths interact with the weaknesses um, a lot of the things that we call disadvantages can be great fodder for creativity for instance so yeah if we take a broader perspective on human intelligence i think we'll get more more potential out of people Hmm. that's definitely a recommendation to to see that you have a beautiful example that i won't spoil here in the in the talk but that i really like about the same child in two different perspectives so that'll have to be a, a teaser for uh, for people listening thank you so, so scott before we round off any last advice for for people listening either about life or what you have learned and so on i really think that there's a lot more resiliency and potential for creativity that we have within us that we often inhibit we we do ourselves um we shoot ourselves in the foot metaphorically you know there's so much beauty around us and we ignore the beauty around us and the beauty that's within us because we're too focused on the deprivations of our needs so as much as possible it is very it's important for sure to satisfy our needs our basic needs needs for connection to a certain degree esteem safety security very important but i just want to leave people with a notion which is important we we don't neglect our higher possibilities because they're there mm. beautiful 
Scott, thank you so much for taking the time. I'll continue talking with you for hours, but I'm aware <laughs> of the time that you have to next. Um, thank you. Thank you so much My for pleasure. taking the time. Thank you. I had a great time chatting with you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Growth Island. Be sure to subscribe for more episodes on how to be the best version of yourself. And if you found this show helpful, then please leave us a review so more people will learn about the podcast or share with a friend who can benefit from it too. Thank you again and have a wonderful day.